Hello, everyone. Welcome to the AS Natural Health Podcast. I have a new hosting service now, so resubscribe because subscribers may have been lost during the switch over to the new service. Also, if you are looking to get in touch with me, I would love to hear from you, whether it be for feedback on the show or if you're looking for someone to speak to about this kind of approach to healing and feeling better, I, I, um, I make myself available to speak with anyone at no cost for an hour. We can just chat. A lot of people have been reaching out to me, and it's one of my favorite things to do is just clarify anything or pass on more information, anything I can do to help. And also, if you're looking to do ongoing coaching with me, I also offer that. Um, and I've been doing that lately. It's been very rewarding. Uh, and I also uh, can help you find someone else that's um, best for you. So don't don't hesitate. Don't feel like you're um, you're putting me out or or that it's uh, you know a big deal or anything. Just just reach out. Don't be shy. You can email me, and I'll do my best to get back to you. So if you want to get a hold of me, a great way to do it is by uh, going to my website at asguided.ca. That's asguided.ca, or you can email me at asguidedintent at gmail.com. And all this info, info will be in the description of the show as well. So you can just go there and find... Um, my email address, or the website. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with Victoria Bruce, the person I'm interviewing in this episode, she's making herself available for you to talk to her or you can write her. Her contact info is in the description as well. It was a pleasure to interview Victoria. She brings unique perspective of nursing, being in pain for decades before finding TMS work, she found relief and, more importantly, found direction and real guidance to ongoing patterns in her personality that had been causing suffering for years. She's a woman who found her own power and, through that, began to feel better. She does not have an AS diagnosis, yet had back pain for decades. Um, some of the t topics that we cover in this podcast are her belief that the origin of symptoms is from repressed emotions. Another topic is her belief that her body is structurally normal. Another topic, she is empowered by pushing herself to get out there into the world and do things she likes, like skiing, hiking, walking, doing Zumba, weightlifting, gardening, and getting back into the ocean and boogie boarding. Uh, another topic she gets into is she talks about her process and that healing is her responsibility, it being an opportunity to heal herself. She gets into, uh, she gets to look within to take action, which is good news because she realizes she's not a victim to circumstances. Another topic, she discusses how she feels good to help others with their process because of how much she has learned about herself and her own process. So again, get in touch with her if you, if you really connect with her and, and identify with her. She's made herself available for you to reach out to her. 
another topic, she goes on to mention that she's gone that she's gone over her life and pulled out areas of great sadness and regret to write about them. And that has proven to be very helpful and healing. Her influences are John Sarno, Healing Back Pain, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, this next name I am write down and have. I will put the um, her influences in the show description as well so you can check it out. But um, Dr. Aziz Gazapura and the... Um, the name of the book is called Not Nice. Also, Brad Gutting, the moderator for Facebook TMS Group. Okay, folks, without any further ado. Hello, everybody. My name is Michael Eisner. I have Victoria Bruce here today on another episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Natural Health Podcast. Um, it's a pleasure to be back. It's been a little while. Um, I'm really excited to have Victoria Bruce here to break my um, my dry spell. Um, she, uh, I saw her on a TMS um, Facebook group, and she was talking about her experiences with um, moving through unresolved emotional stress, and that really prompted me. It was specifically what you said, Victoria, to someone that I was like, "That's exactly what I know." is valuable and would be useful for this audience to hear. Now, she doesn't have an AS diagnosis. Um, however, I know that all the lessons that helped her, we just had a little brief conversation before we started recording, and um, a lot of it could be applied, applies to folks with an AS diagnosis. They're intertwinable. They're how I started feeling better. And so I think it's good to know that these the these practices cross um diagnoses they it's pain it's discomfort and so i'm just going to give you guys a little bit of background about her she um victoria bruce is a registered nurse and she's used to working in surgery so uh something interesting she wrote here was during her time in surgery she saw a lot of unnecessary um procedures Perhaps that's something we can talk about, Victoria. I think it's really interesting and valid because I talk to a lot of people that go through unnecessary um, um, surgeries only to find out that they're still in pain after. So perhaps that's something that we'll, we'll get to. She then worked as a lactation. Please correct me here. Lactation. Consultant. Lactation consultant, having a supportive role, helping mothers and babies breastfeed. Um, there has been, and she writes that there's been lots of betrayal by people she knew and perhaps by herself in her life. Um, one of her lows in her life was being a newly postpartum mom with severe back pain and having to carry her newborn around while crawling on the floor. No support and no support people in her life, including her husband. He was at work and her mother who had no ability to be supportive she learned to rely on herself and to get strong no matter what. But at that point in her life, she had not discovered the mind-body connection until 20 years later. And so here we are, Victoria Bruce. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. Um, so you live, where do you live? 
I live in Monrovia, California, and I would be doing this interview outside, but it's too hot today. Oh my gosh, you're very lucky. I'm in Toronto and it's um, freezing. Um, I'm a skier and I'm envious. Oh, cool. Okay, yes, we we have skiing options for sure. Lots of snow here in Canada. Um, so one thing I just like to establish right off the bat um, is where, at what point in your life did you start experiencing pain and where was it and what happened? Easy to date because my kids were tiny. So I was 22 years old, 23, no, actually, okay, 23, that's it. So carrying around two babies and I was going up and down three flights of stairs carrying two babies and my back went out. And so I saw a chiropractor who put my back back in, but it wasn't resolved right away. It took, it took a while for it to quote heal. I did not get the connection. And then the same thing happened with my second baby. This time I had an MRI and I was told I had a bulging disc and um, I continued to have low back pain periodically, which would disable me really. I couldn't cough without my back spasming and then trying to take care of two teenagers and a newborn. It was very, it was very stressful. I did not get the mind body connection for another, I'm thinking 20 years. So um, my daughter's 30 now. Yeah. So 10 years ago, I believe I was watching television and John Stossel was on and he mentioned healing back pain with John Sarno. And that's like, hmm? what? <laughs> and so I quickly wrote that down and looked it up and got the book. And I would say about 10 to 12 days after completing most of the book, my, 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 my back pain was over. That was, it was, that was done. I was like, okay, I get it now. I, I totally get it. And all my past history with back pain, I could see the rage, the emotion I had shoved down being a good hippie mom and being a good wife to a chiropractor and, and not, not allowing myself to really have the anger I felt and the sadness and the betrayal and the, just all the emotion I just had shoved down and not experienced. What was it in that book that prompted or that really clued into you? Do you think that was the big lesson you had to learn? So when I wrote down, so I got the audible book by, by John Sarno and I kept playing and stopping. So the 12 things to remember, the daily 12 reminders, key thoughts, um, like, for, like number one is it's, I am structurally normal. And number two, I am, I am, it, it, it's all about experiencing your emotions. It's all emotionally based. Anyway, I wrote those 10 things down and I look, he suggests looking at them twice a day, spending 15 minutes. So I wrote them down and I actually expounded on them and made them personalized. And so whenever I have a flare up, cause it does happen, I read that list and really focus on those, those things. That's, that was the biggest, it, it was having the awareness to look within, which has really helped me. Th those are the biggest points I took my, my big takeaway. Right. So looking within, what does that feel like? What, what is that? If you had to describe, like, imagine that I was someone that you just met and I was like, what do you mean? And what, what is an example in your life where that has came up 
yeah, it comes up all the time when I walk in the morning. So I'll be fine running around the house and then I'll get out. And because I think I've stimulated the neural pathways for pain, walking is what kind of makes it pop up for me. So I'll start walking and I'll feel hip pain. And so I'll go, okay, Victoria, what's going on inside? What am I feeling? And it'll be like, oh yeah, I'm feeling anxious about X, Y, and Z. And I'll, and I'll, I'll ask myself, and this is what I learned from Victor. He's on my list of people that influence Frankel. me. Frankel. Um, Victor Frankel talks about going inside and finding that emotion or that sensation and just bringing it out, like ex- ex- amplifying it, amplifying that emotion. Am- try to make it bigger. Try to make it more painful. Try to make it more real. And you can for a minute, and maybe it gets a little worse, maybe it doesn't. And then just poof, it's kind of gone and that's over. It's like you've experienced that emotion or that thing or that painful past, whatever it was. And now it's just like, it's like a bubble floating and it just goes pop and it's gone. It, that's, it's over now, you know, onto another one. Uh, but right. does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So you're allowing these emotions, these uncomfortable feelings, pain, whatever it is, you, you, you put your attention, your focus on it, you allow it to come up, you allow it to fully be experienced, you don't resist it. And then it allows it to integrate or to resolve or this is gone. Oh, and I focus on what part of my body I'm feeling it. And it's usually only two areas. One is in my heart center, just right in my heart, I can feel a burning whatever. And then also in the in the abdominal area, uh, like the right right around where your intestines would be i'll feel a burning kind of pain in there and then once i've kind of really tried to make it stronger and just really experienced it it's gone and it may only take 10 to 20 seconds for the whole process and i've done this with past things there's things in um i let me digress so one of my processes is to um when i was having issues with my mother i wrote dear fu mother and I would just just let my rage out and I wouldn't censor it. I wouldn't worry about my punctuation or anything. It run on sentences. I would just I would just write as fast as I could and let my subconscious express itself. And so I've started doing that in a process with the journal. And there were incidents. I was a bad pet mama when I was a teenager. And uh, and because I mean, it wasn't bad in, I was neglectful in that I didn't know any better and I didn't have a parent overseeing me and how I was taking care of my pets and they, they, they died. And, and it was, you know, it hurts me to this day that I was, that I was, that I was allowed to do that and that I, I wasn't more responsible. And so I wrote in great detail about these pets and what I remember about them and then what I did and and, and, it, and it, it brought up so much sadness. And it's actually a lot less than it was writing all of this experience down because I just allow myself in my writing to, again, go into that emotion, go into that feeling and just bring it up and feel it wherever I'm feeling it. And then it's, it's kind of dispersed and it's mm. much less now than it ever was. And I, you know, I, as far as other parts of my body, so I had it in my knees I had it in my hips and I had it in my shoulders and not to mention the back. I also get dry eye when I'm feeling anxious. Uh, my eyes just dry up and causes them to be red. I mean, I've got so many little TMS things. It's like, 
oh my gosh, it, I don't even ask, is it TMS? It's like, it's TMS. I know it is. Okay, what's going on, Victoria? What's going on inside of you? Um, and I just go right to it now. Mm. Right. So you use these cues, these physical discomfort as cues to address unresolved emotional stress or baggage or baggage. Exactly. Now, when you, when you were talking, I remembered the question, we'll go back to it. But when you were, ta- when you were talking about the feeling in your heart center and your abdomen and the intestinal area, I mean, that would be, I believe, would that be like a clue or a hint to say the beginning of a TMS uh, symptom? No, it's more like the emotion, whatever that emotion is, that's where I feel it in my body. Okay. And it's a very, and it disperses almost instantly once I've really gone through that emotion. Right. So, so that, so if you notice an uncomfortable emotion starting to arise, that's where you start to feel it, your heart center, your abdomen. Backup. It's more like a backup. Like if I want to work on something specific, I will then feel it in those places. I, as I go back in time to when the incident happened. Or if something's happening in the moment and I allow it, it will go to a part of my body Mm. and I will experience it physiologically and emotionally and mentally too, all at once. Right. Right. And have you gotten better at this procedure? Oh yeah. It's becoming more reflexive now where I used to really have to work at it. Now it's more, it's not like, Oh, what's wrong with me physically. It's more like, what's going on emotionally. That's my reflex now. Right. Yeah. So reflex is something you don't have to think about cognitively a reflex, like blinking your eye. When something comes at your eye, you automatically do it. So I've changed from a mental process to an automatic process. Right. That's, and that's beautiful. That, that is right. You, you're, you're in the process consistently of knowing how to take care of yourself, nurture yourself, and, and move through this discomfort. Um, I'm just avoiding the word healing for, for, for some reason. I, I've been avoiding that world. I, like, cause I, I believe it's good to come from the perspective that I'm already healed. I'm, you know, and that I'm, I have the ability to be healed and that I'm perfect just the way I am. And, you know, I, I just think it's so interesting because I've, I've had quite a bit of dialogue with other people who have worked with, um, with Ralph Ruiz, Peter Winslow, and um, and myself, I, I'm coaching now, coaching people with AS and other autoimmune conditions, and um, I've been I've been approaching this in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. However, talking to someone with TMS, there's different terminology, and I think different, a slightly different approach to it. Um, you mentioned writing. And I know Dr. Sarno has discussed that a lot. I interviewed um, Nicole Sachs, and I know that she's very big into writing as well. I'm just, I'm, I'm very curious about that and, and how this has become second nature. Was writing a big part of it for you? It, if, when I have something come up, I just know that it's an appropriate thing. Certain things are appropriate to get my journal out and and expound on it and explore and um i don't know how accurate this is my perception is our cognitive brain our brain that we're just thinking with and and are maintaining our consciousness with is about five percent of our brain and our unconscious is the other 95 percent my percentages could be off um 
I'm working on perfectionism and so I let things kind of go a bit. Um, and so that unconscious part of our brain being so much, I understand that writing is a way to tap into that unconsciousness and bring it forward and give it a voice and thereby just, it's like you get it out. It's kind of like my journal is vomit. My journal is just poop. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's out of me done. Bye-bye. Uh, it's so that, and, and I, you never want anybody to read it. Cause it's like, well, my husband's gone right now, but it's like, <laughs> I'll be just like ripping him on new one. I'm just like so angry at him. And yet he's a great husband. He's, he's, he's just who he is. He's a great husband, but you know, he pisses the heck out of me sometimes. And so <laughs> I just, I just open it up and just rip it right and left. <laughs> and, and I swear, and I, and I don't, I don't wish him badly, but it's just, my astonishment at what a dick he can be. Mm. And then I close it and I'm done and I'm over it. And I'll go to a Zumba class and I'll be feeling irritated and I'll just like dance to this really good Latin pop music. And, and I feel like I'm in the club again. And then I come home and I'm like, hi, husband, I'm, I'm loving to see you. And, <laughs> um, so those, those are some of the ways I, you know, the writing, the movement, um, I grew up skiing and horseback riding and boogie boarding and lots of dance. And so, um, so those are the, some, I don't get to do those other things while skiing. When we don't get snow in Southern California. So I skied once last year, but uh, the other, the dancing I can do, that's something wow. that I can, I can keep moving and, and the journaling. And I think those keep me sane and, 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 and pretty nice to my husband. Right. Oh, that's good. I'm sure he appreciates that. <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask you, what do you do with this anger when it comes up? But writing is one of the tools, Zuma classes or movement, working out. Um, is there anything else? Like, what about expressing? Just like, um, say you like in conversation, like expressing yourself, setting boundaries, things like that. How do you express anger in a healthy way? So I have, I have a couple girlfriends and we'll make a date and because they don't live, they live far away. And we just, we'll talk for a couple hours and we just talk about everything that's going on in our lives. And we end up laughing and, um, you know, sometimes we have to talk about the icky stuff and then we get to the laughing and our, our moods, our endorphins are like popping right and left. There's something I've, I've been doing lately. Um, I call, I, I'm, I'm not a business. I'm not going to sell anything, but, but this is in my little head. I'm a, I'm, I'm a jeweler <laughs> and I take, I've taken old gold and melted it down. And then it's in a little, it's in a little bar shape, a little bar, like my pinky smaller than my pinky. And I'll go in the garage where I have a big old anvil and a big ball ping hammer. And, and this is, it's going to get shiny, but this, can you see the dents in it? Yeah. So you're like, whack, whack, whack. And um, it, it, at the same time, you're making something that will eventually be beautiful. Um, and you've taken something old and made it new. So there's lots of little metaphors there, if you like. Mm. Uh, but, but that's another thing. A whacking with a ball ping hammer on something on metal is, it takes a lot of energy and it's kind of like, Oh, you know, you've got to be strong and you're hitting it really hard. And it, it, it's kind of therapeutic doing that too. Wow. That's really so cool. Take your old jewelry you don't wear 
melt it down. You can go to a jeweler, melt it down, have them turn it into a bar and then go crazy. Here's, here's a bracelet. <laughs> can you see this one shiny? Yeah. I made this one years ago. And so what happens is it starts off black. This has oh. had a little bit of polishing, but it'll end up shiny and polished. So it's like life polishes it. And makes wow. it pretty. Yeah. You can, you can have some fun with the metaphors there. That, that is highly metaphoric on many different <laughs> levels there. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. very cool. Uh, so that's what you do with your anger. What, what about in converse, what about in converse, like triggers, like say in, in, in your relationships? Um, I had so many triggers. Okay. Okay. So what, what, I mean, besides if say you were to set a boundary with someone when it comes to actually, like, I think all those techniques and tools that you've come up with are massively valid. I'm just curious, what about when it comes to a conversation, an actual conversation? And there's like, um, what, what do you, what do you do? How do you know when something is not your own for you to integrate? And when something is for you to maybe set a boundary or communicate? Yeah. So I've got, I got a few different, I'm going to give you the most radical first. So there was a, a friend I, I was friends with since high school and she had, she's had some very rough things in her life. And so I always gave her a big pass on maybe not being that nice of a friend or saying things that were inappropriate. And so she always got a pass until at one point, she, I mean, just saying things like, like she didn't think that guys liked her anymore. And she was commenting to me that they're just not that interested. And I said, well, you know, I would suggest you really focus on loving yourself more. And her response was, I expected more than that from you. And, and, and that was kind of like the last straw for me. And there might've been one or two more interactions and then I just had to say this friendship is over. I mean, there'd been a lot of little things, but that was kind of it. And so I had to unfriend her on all the social media and I had to block her on the calls. And, and it, it was very painful. I, I take great, I try to take good care of my friendships and I value them, particularly the ones I've been friends with for you know, 40, 50 years. And it was very painful to, drop her as a friend it just felt wrong but it was right to do it felt like I was protecting myself from kind of an abusive person and then so that was you know generally you can just kind of drop someone as maybe they're not a high tier priority friendship so maybe you kind of drop them lower you're still an acquaintance but you don't let them influence you you don't hang out with them my mom this is where it got it was very tricky to figure out boundaries in life my mom was an alcoholic borderline personality um she did crazy mean things but then some of the time she was a very caring loving mother sometimes and so it was always very tricky how do you so I didn't talk to my mom or see her for about three or four years I drew that line and then she ended up in a retirement for assisted living near me and I I renewed my relationship because now she's in assisted living she really can't influence me it's i call all the shots 
And so I made some very clear boundaries with her finally in my life, you know, it took me 60 something years, but I did. And that felt empowering and like the very right thing to do. So that, that's a little more um, different examples. Thank you for, for giving those. How did you come to empower yourself or come to the realization to know that you were worthy of drawing those lines? Um, I, we didn't discuss this and, per, and um, Sarno's personality types. I have recognized patterns of people pleaser, perfectionist, um, low self-esteem. Those were kind of where I was. Um, can you talk about those and, and, and maybe what personality types you saw patterning of in yourself and how you came to know your self-worth and how you knew how that would help with how maybe the pain was an indication to you that it was time to shift things in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. So toxic relationships. I have, I have no room for toxic relationships in my life. Was that yeah. a pattern for you? Uh, absolutely. Okay. So my yeah. mom starting off first relationship. My first person in my life was my mom. And so that was a very toxic relationship. I wasn't allowing and by, and, it was, it was complicated and intertwined because we rented my mother at a very, very reasonable rate, the house that's the street behind us. So she was, we could climb over the wall and, and visit and um, she became more and more abusive. And so we sold the house. Well, we told her she had to move and she did it. And so we sold the house and she had to move. So that was very empowering. That was, I think that might've been the beginning. I mean, that's not a metaphor. It, it was physical. You got to go. She left a huge mess and we cleaned it up and it was fine. And then I didn't speak to her for that, that the three or four year time. And so it was just like, I would talk to my girlfriend. It's just like, okay, we only have room for supportive, loving relationships. She's my sister with a different family. And, and that, how, that is how I want to support myself with kind, living people. I don't have room for toxicity it no matter how complicated it is there's no room and i only have room for kind loving relationships i think that that answer was there another part of that question? it does um how do you know how do you know when a relationship isn't right for you personally what is it a sensation uh yeah, i think there are some physiological sensations not talking about body pain but but there is that that gut knowledge that um, it's 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 right in it's right right above the right around the umbilical area. There's a right and wrong sensor. So, in my understanding of neurotransmitters, our neurotransmitters are created in our intestines, and then they're sent to our brain. So you know your serotonin, your all these different moods, uh, mood chemicals are made in our gut. And so we have a gut intelligence also besides the brain intelligence. So um, I try to listen with my gut about things. Like if I'm talking to somebody and I have an uncomfortable feeling there, I know to listen to that and try to tune into what that means to me in that instance. And there's every instance is different. So it's 
there's a lot of variables to look at and to consider. And, and then after the interaction with a person, you know, how, how do I feel? Because I am a people pleaser, I'm a perfectionist. Um, I, I, I'm really working on, on um, being really gentle self-talk and seeing where I'm people pleasing as opposed to self-pleasing. That really was helpful by um, the author Aziz, um, can't remember his last name, but he, he talks about, his book is called Not Nice. And that, that not nice is a misnomer. It's about being nice inside yourself and generally really being nice overall because of your owning your stuff and your, your, your being kind to yourself and you're not over um, reaching um, instead of, you're just taking on what you own, what you want to take on. You're not pushing yourself to be a people pleaser and doing more than you should. Um, very, very helpful for me. I haven't finished the book yet, but um, I got a really good sense. And, and that talk, that book talks about um, having those good relationships. Cool. Yeah. When I saw you um, put that down as an influence, I looked up the, the book and that guy and I saw a bunch of other, you know, people, people pleasing books. And um, one book that I read a while ago was No More Mr. Nice Guy. Um, and that, that was one of the hardest books I've ever read in my life. Um, and the first time I read it, I, I, I put, I think I put it away for years after reading the first or second chapter. It, it, it really was hard for me to look at myself in that way. Um, However, when I went back to it, I was ready and um, uh, it's proven to be very helpful to examine and, and look at how I have patterned um, people pleasing. Um, extremely empowering. Uh, it has been uncomfortable for me in the past, but a lot of growth there. I didn't necessarily agree with everything this, this guy had to say for me. Um, however, it was definitely, um, a lot of it was applicable. Um, how does this relate for you with, um, see, I, I believe that pain, physical pain, and even emotional discomfort is an effect of a cause, a cause being the unresolved emotional stress, the baggage, the stuff that comes up, the, the patterns in our life, the things that happen just out of, no, out of nowhere. I believe those are patterns that, you know, play themselves out until I choose to address it, um, until I choose to look at it. And so what I was wondering was, how do you, how do you relate this to the pain or discomfort? Or is it a messenger? Are these things like, have you seen people pleasing as a as an indication to look at and has helped you find more ease and peace and feeling good in your life so i feel like people pleasing is a strategy that i have used to help myself it's a survival thing so if you make people happy then they're going to want to keep you around that's that's the basic survival um, to me how that worked now i didn't grow up where i was worried about food i didn't worry about anything it was there for me and so i think it was more in the sense of so i wasn't worried about getting kicked out or being on the street 
um, that kind of survival. My, the survival was more emotional and being a good little girl was a big piece of it. And after I wasn't a little girl anymore, I was, I was a rebellious teenager, really rebellious. I mean, I was getting tattoos in the seventies. <laughs> like I had multiple piercings in the seventies. It was like, break rules, do things that aren't socially acceptable. I mean, not bad things, nothing detrimental, but, but it was, and then I was, you know, so it was like total hippie, Birkenstocks and granola and um, peace, love, with your sign and got married really young. And so then I was a good hippie wife who didn't express, who wasn't, it's not cool to be angry when you're a hippie. It's all peace, love, with your sign. And so I, I took that on. So my husband and my whole hippie um, environment was, to fit in and survive you've got to be very good girl in a lot of ways um, so that was my strategy and and my husband started having affairs when I had my my first son was a, a newborn and so I had to be a good wife and and fit the mold and so he wouldn't leave me and and that was pretty terrifying um, my probably one of my first betrayals in life and so, but, but the good news to me in retrospect is that I created all this and I get to own it and I'm the one who can recover from it and, and have epiphanies about myself and have growth and maturity and be the person I really want to be. I and mean, I am the person I want to be and I get to own that. I'm not a, I'm not a, um, victim so much of the time it's easy to be a victim of pain and I am not I feel like I I'm I am in the process of conquering it I wouldn't say you know I'm I'm not perfect and I haven't perfected my body yet but it, I'm a work in progress and I, I'm really happy and content with that yeah yeah you've turned it around this is this was probably the biggest the biggest crack for me was when I chose to look at it as an empowering gift um, and that I chose this perhaps for myself to grow up. Um, this pain, this discomfort, all these personality, all these ways my ego was trying to protect myself, um, to repress all this rage and discomfort. Um, and so, yeah, it's been for me, an incredible vehicle of growth and maturity and, um, and, um, and, and a path to, to happiness or to joy, to joy and to peace. And so I can see that in you. And I think that's, I think getting that, that's, that's it. Like once that happens, cause the, the pain for me or a little discomfort here and there, emotional turbulence, which of course has happened and will happen again, but the way I look at it is way different and I, I welcoming to it and not afraid of it and not scared of it and not feeling a victim or victimized by it anymore. And I think for years, that was the hardest part for me was feeling so lost and feeling so alone and so of an effect of something that no one understood and I couldn't describe to anyone and no one could really talk to me about and so I think it's just so amazing that the internet is here and that we get to meet each other and, and have this conversation and share it with other people 
it's really one thing I like to talk about is the four minute mile a lot and that we're all running it. The four, the four minute mile. Are you familiar with the four minute mile? So for the longest time in Olympics and around the world, no one could run a mile in under four minutes until someone did it. And then after that, another person did, and then another, and then slowly it just built. And then all of a sudden it's possible. So it's just like an incurable condition, you know, it becomes, um, an empowering thing. So, um, let's go in a little bit about your belief that the origins of the symptoms is, uh, I guess we've talked about this already, but it's the origins of repressed emotions. So, I mean, we've talked a great extent to that, but is there anything more you'd like to say about that? The origin of the symptoms. And this is so important, I think, for people to hear. I think it's from the subconscious mind. Right. I mean, I think, I think everything we experience is stored and, and then to be processed right away or, or to come out later. I mean, when women have trauma and drama in their, in their history, it's something I always tried to help them bring out after they've had their baby because it's going to come up for them. But everybody else too, everything you have had experiences with is stored and now you get to process it. It's, it's your gift. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I, I tried to embrace that and make it a positive um, because I feel like I'm, I'm getting better. It, it's, I, I feel like, um, and not, and not in a, that perfection kind of way, but in that, okay, you can get down. In a, just, I think we're here to be the best that we can be and, and then to support other people in their process and to help, that, that, that isolation you were describing about your younger years is it, that's painful to be, to feel so isolated. And I think when we come together and support each other, that isolation is dispersed and knocked out. Um, does that, does that address what you're talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just like to mention again, how beautiful I think it is that, um, that you get together with your friends and you, and you talk these things out and, and are there to support each other in that. I think that's really, that's really beautiful and extremely healthy. Um, I also, you talked about right at the beginning about um, um, some of the techniques that the 12 steps or whatever that Dr. Sarno laid out. And one of them was that your body is structurally, structurally normal. Yeah, that's number one, I think. Okay. Can you talk to me about? Yeah. Talk to me about that and what you've learned about that with you. So whenever I have some pain, I'll say to myself, I'm structurally normal. Pain is caused by repressed emotions. And my repressed emotions are, and then I list them to myself, or I just read it. Or I read the ones I've written down. Um, I'm not, none of the other ones are coming up for me right now, but it's, it's read in John Sarno's work. That's yeah. 12, 12 things to consider. Mm -hmm. And TMS, oh, he talks about the oxygen deprivation in certain areas are, are causing that. I don't, I don't know. I think that's been disputed that oxygen deprivation is causing the pain in certain areas. But one of the things I tried 
while walking was just envisioning more oxygen, just kind of breathing into certain areas of my body. And then um, I've been fooling around with some biofeedback stuff. So back when I worked in surgery, we'd be waiting for a case and we'd be fooling around in the empty surgery suite, um, just n different nurses. And we put on a pulse oximeter, you know, the little thing that you slide on your finger and it tells you your oxygen saturation. And so, and it also registers your pulse at the same time. So the trick is through your own biofeedback, you want 100% oxygen saturation. And you can get that by breathing in deeply and exhaling deeply. But then you don't want your heart rate to go up. You want to keep your heart rate low. So you can sit there and go, okay, I'm breathing deeper. My oxygen's at 100%. And now my heart rate's going from 70 down to 65, down to 59. And you can play with calming yourself down with mm. just with just a, a little tool, like a little pulse oximeter. I mean, you can buy them or not, but you can also do it with an, I have an Apple watch that I, that I can look at my heart rate and just go, okay, you're getting kind of excited about this. And when you get excited physiologically, you've got, you've got your um, cortisol going up. You don't want cortisol going up because that can affect your sleep. It can affect all kinds of things. You want that cortisol um, to be at a normal level. So there's lots of little biofeedback things with just your breath and your 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 what you're thinking about. Um, just calming because it's, it's easy. I can go like okay, interview today. Uh, <laughs> the little shy little me's like oh no panic and it's like okay shut up calm down oh oh yeah i can breathe and relax and just bring it all down and, and everything's fine that, that's another little method right right i um that's very cool um it's interesting you talk about breathing i've been training to be um a transformational breath uh coach facilitator and um, so I've been I, I've, I've been practicing breath work for for years now, and I've used different methods, and I, I love it very much. And I, I think it, you know, it definitely has calmed me down. And yes, I think our heart rate can change and um, can go down, and and to bring a ton of oxygen into our bodies, and um, and as well, I mean, I don't I don't I believe it causes. Um, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity as um meditation does and has been proven to do mm -hmm. and so i know that it's been rewiring my brain and also bringing to the surface unresolved emotional stress and allowing me to look at these things in a much calmer state um and to let go of a lot of it um one of the tools i've been using and i'm and i'm excited to share with other people in the future um, I'm just reading through another thing here about how you're empowered by pushing yourself to get out into the world and to participate in life and do things that you love, like the Zumba, the skiing, when you have the opportunity, when there's snow or you travel or whatever. For me, movement is massively important. And I know a lot of folks I've talked to when I fall into this trap was feeling terrible and in pain or emotionally distressed and me not getting up and moving. And I know I've been in the spot of being so down where, you know, 
for months and months and years that I got in the pattern of not doing anything and just, just sort of being um, stuck. And so how, how, this is a question that I've heard, how, what would you tell someone if they were stuck and in that, in that position where they've lost that connection with moving? Um, Cause I know that once I started moving and committed to it, it changed my life. And when I'm true to that, true to moving in whatever way that I love, it has helped me out so much. Um, is there anything you can say to that? Have you ever felt that way? I, I probably sound egotistical, but I'm going to say it anyway. I, I don't let myself be inactive. I, right. I, that is part of what I know I need to do for me. So in the morning, the goal is to, I, I have a bunch of neighbors who have dogs and we dog walk, we, we pack walk, we, we go to different places. There's different, I mean, sometimes there's like five or six of us humans and like five or six dogs. And, and we, we go around and we could get, we accumulated at a local park. And sometimes we let our dogs chase the squirrels and, and go in the trees and have some off leash time, which is illegal. But we watch carefully to make sure no one busts us. <laughs> And then um, the other day we went to another park and we actually saw a bald eagle, a bald eagle. It just went flying by. It was a bald eagle. I know what they look like. And, and that was really cool. Um, and so just being in awe by nature, that's, that's part of who I am. I just, I look at the trees, I look at everything and I, I focus on the gratitude I have to be able to see that and do that. Um, I garden and I have, um, I put in a raised bed and so it's just really convenient to garden in that and I'm I usually have a winter and a summer crop and you know I live in Southern California so I guess lots of people don't have that but I also have indoor plants and I have um, I do pots even so I think no matter where I live I'll always have some plants growing I, I like I get my hands in the soil I usually have dirty fingernails I mean I scrub them and stuff but <laughs> but they're often stained um, I'm not the manicure kind of person. Um, so, so being in my garden, I'm leaning over doing stuff and that's, I'm getting my squats in there. And, um, and then I do go to the gym. I hate wearing a mask, but I do it anyway. And I do lift some weights. And then I usually have a class, a, a, like a cardio class after that, which is kind of the reward for lifting weights. Cause if you don't use it, you lose it as, as you age. And I'm into longevity. So I studied a lot about um, nutrition and I went from a vegetarian to a vegan and a macrobiotic to practically carnivore now. And, and I know part of my gut issues were TMS, but at the same time, I had to find out um, how I needed to eat for my best health. And I know, um, so bone density told me that my bones were like not osteoporosis, but getting near that. And so I started eating a lot of animal products and hopefully I've stop the progression. And I know that's not TMS, not to stray too far, but I really enjoy focusing on um, diet and eating well, um, typical dinners, barbecue, some lobster and some steak, maybe a vegetable. <laughs> so, um, so I really enjoy good food. I cook everything from scratch. I make um, kefir and yogurt myself at home and um, all kinds of food I make myself, which takes time. But I, it's, it's active 
I'm, I'm involved with my food. So that, that feels good. I make my dog's food. Um, and then having, having a pet, it kind of, I think it helps get you out to go for that walk because dogs need walking and it's like, oh, I don't want to walk, but then there's the dog and it's like, so I get out and move because of my dog and, and that, that helps motivate me. Um, I, else? cause I know I do other things too. I'm, I'm just really active in my neighborhood. I know most of my neighbors and chatting with people. I find it kind of lifts the mood. Oh, music. So I've got some playlists for, for different moods. And, you know, sometimes if I'm just feeling a little pissy or eh, I put on Boston, you know, Boston <laughs> from the eighties. Yeah. More than a feeling. Right. And you got to blast that part. When out you hear you. that old song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll turn that up and, you know, or I got a lot of Beatle music and it elevates my mood. Um, you know, I might dance around a little bit and, um, so I'm being active and my, my neurotransmitters in my brain are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, yeah those are my, some of my, yeah, my you've, you've learned what keeps your frequency high, what makes you feel good. You know, what practices support you in living a, a light, fun life. And you, and yeah. you've committed to that. Yeah. I, yeah. you know what, I, I think lifestyle, there's a lot of buzz going around about lifestyle medicine and that being the, the new thing. And I think that's really what we're talking about is, um, is, is lifestyle medicine. I, I mean, I, I practice it all the time and I know what makes me feel good, you know, and it may not work for other people, but I think the journey is to discover what it is that works for us. You know, I know it works for me and it works for a lot of people. And for you and me, it's a very common thing. I love listening to music and I love dancing. I just do. You know what I mean? I, I love, I love getting out into nature. I love climbing a mountain or hiking in a mountain. You know, that's one of my favorite things I could ever do. And oh. walking my dog, you know, being, you know, hiking with my girlfriend, with our dog, you know, all the stuff, seeing my family. It's all stuff that makes me feel good, supports me. What were you going to say? Well, you reminded me about hiking. So, so my sister lives up in the mountains and I, um, we got together and we hiked the fire road up to the top of the notch at Mount Baldy. And, you know, fire road, it's a road, you know, it's not rough, but it's quite a grade. And, and I've done it before, um, but not with, this last year's hip thing and and I and I work out and I dance so I thought I was in great shape so like four miles up and four miles back it's like okay I did it I did it that's the thing and then I've been paying for it the last few days because those muscles haven't been used before or right. in a long time <laughs> oh my goodness it was it's okay so get out the magnesium oil and <laughs> <laughs> it'll be better soon but, and that kind of motivates me. I was kind of discouraged at first, like, oh, wow, I'm in really, I'm really sore, but I'm just going to do it again next month. I'm going to recover and I'm going to do it again. It's yeah. kind of like my internal challenge to do it again and, and build those muscles. So it's a little bit easier next time. Absolutely. Yeah. The lesson is not letting, letting that stop, stop us. And it's just a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, 
average people that haven't gone on a hike in a while, they hike up a mountain and guess what? They're going to hurt. <laughs> it's like, that's what happens to normal people. And to not let us let that say, oh, well, I'm in pain. I can't do that. I, I, I got to be easy on myself. Well, no, like um, when someone needs help moving, then I'm going to go help them move. And, you know, of course, I'm going to set my boundaries and not let people walk all over me and all that. But, you know, if I can help someone move, I'm going to go do it. And if I want to go up a mountain, I'm going to go and do it. If I'm going to go on a hiking trip, multi-day, which I've done, one of my favorite things to do, I'm not going to let anything stop me, you know. Um, you know, we're kind of running low on time, but I, I just wanted to talk about um, seeing your progress and that healing is your responsibility. It's an opportunity to heal yourself to look within, to fix yourself. I don't want remorse. I don't want um, any regrets. And so I just made a list of things I wanted to kind of go over and journal about that I want to heal from. Um, that was one thing that, that was like, a, that's like a, so like a priority of, of what I want to do. Oh, and I thought of one, two other things I wanted to mention. Um, I, we go camping. We, we, we go to the beach and camp for a few days in a row and the ocean's crashing right there. And, and we have, we're in our little RV and cooking nice meals and taking walks on the beach. So that's, that just feels great. That's like a big reward for us. And also I wanted to mention in surgery, I remember doing a lumbar laminectomy and that's where the patient is face down on the surgical table and an incision is made in the low back and then um, opened. And then I remember the doctors just taking, pick that it's like, it's not like brain surgery where they're working under a microscope. And this is just like, well, let's pick this little piece out of here. And I'm sure it was more technical than it appeared. Right. But that was my impression of a lumbar laminectomy for, for low back pain. And if you look at the statistics of what kind of pain people have after those, it's, it's, it's not great statistics. They do have a lot of pain afterwards, sometimes no better. So I could be oversimplifying it, but that was my perception working in the OR doing a lumbar laminectomy. And I did quite a few of those where I assisted as the surgical nurse. Pick, pick, pick a little bit. Put that here, pick that out. Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did also one last little thing. Um, so I was having a lot of stress at work. I would see multiple patients at a time. They would, and baby and mom count as two people. I have to chart on both of them. But I would, they, I would see out in a group, maybe six moms and their babies. So that's, you know, a lot of patients at once. And I have to chart live and I have to give them instructions, um, latch in position at rest all this stuff and then I have to clock out for lunch. And so it was getting more and more stressful and I started developing um, shoulder pain. So it was my left shoulder first. And so before though, before you could see a doctor in this system, you had to go to the shoulder class and they talked to you about all different things and this and that. And I finally got my shoulder appointment and they did this dry needling where they kind of just stick a needle in and poke it around a little bit. 
and it helped. But you know, I know it was placebo effect because that went away and then this one started hurting and I never had an accident. I never had a trauma, never had an injury. And then it was like, oh yeah, TMS, Dr. Sarno. I went back to those 12 key thoughts, both of them. Went away. Gone. Right, yeah. So just the body indicating there's more to look at, more to address. Yeah, more. So I looked at that stress and it's like, oh yeah, of course, that's what's causing it. Right. And they wanted me to take drugs for my brain. They wanted me on, on um, I don't remember any specifics, but, but SSRI, serotonin uptake reinhibitor. No, SSRI, can't remember the words. Yeah, they want me to take drugs so I can handle it or not care. So right. I retired, I retired early. Oh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So you knew, you learned, you learned that there was just something in your lifestyle, something that needed to shift and change. And yeah, because of that knowledge, because of that experience, you're able to avoid changing your body chemistry using exterior medication yeah it's a pretty crummy message take drugs so you don't care so you can do your job right yeah we we have a ways to go i do believe we're on that road though and that we're getting better collectively i'm just so grateful that um that you had that you discovered this and that you've 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 stepped into the driver's seat of your situation and you're stronger because of it. It's really exciting and self-affirming for me. Is there, um, I mean, closing pretty soon here, is there anything that, a message that say you would have to your younger self, say if you could go back, tap yourself on the shoulder when you were getting, going down the stairs with your two kids and this back pain came up, you know, maybe a couple months after that, you, you could, maybe say to yourself is there anything any message that you'd like to pass on to anyone yeah dump that husband what's that <laughs> dump that husband <laughs> um, yeah i did eventually get a divorce so that was good i was trying to be in a marriage that didn't break up but whatever um just the the kind self-talk being gentle with myself, um, tuning inward more and less, less trying to please on the outside, more trying to please on the inside. And that, and just being gentle with the child and myself, very gentle, very, very loving, um, increasing my line in the sand and not allowing toxic relationships. That's about it. That's beautiful. Thank you very much, Victoria. This, yeah, this is a real pleasure, and um, and I think highly highly valid. Um, uh, I, I yeah I I'm I'm very grateful that we were able to do this, and and thank you thank you very much. Thank you for the. I'm grateful for the opportunity. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop the recording. I wish everyone a beautiful day. Bye-bye.